0: I want to start out just asking you, how many of you guys have ever been to a movie and you're watching, you know, you're watching some scene, and at some point you, you start asking, what was the criteria that they were using to let that scene in, right? Have you ever seen one of those? And, and most of the time you're going, how, how did that ever carry the story forward? How did that, what did that have to do with the plot line? You're just like, who, who decided that one should go in instead of some other one or that that should be in there at all, right? Um, I don't know if we have any um, uh, science fiction fans, but um, if, you got, if you watched back in 2012, yeah, we got at least one. Thank you, Jen. Um, uh, if you watched back in 2012, the Avengers movie just came out, the first one. And at the end, we, we came to find out that all the Marvel movies, they have this special bonus clip at the end. If you guys watch those movies, you know that. If you don't, you don't care. Um, <laughs> But you'd wait through all of the credits until that last clip and you're sitting there, you know, anticipating going, I wonder what they're gonna show us now. This is gonna be awesome. You know, this special bonus clip that they went to all the trouble of putting together. Well, the end of that that first Avengers movie. If you watch that, you remember you get through all of those, you know, you sat through all, if you, especially if you're in the theater, they're just rolling slowly by. And you're watching all these credits go by and you get to that last clip and what is it? Here's this team of six superheroes. They just saved New York City from this invading horde of aliens, right? And they just turned all that back. And here they are in the last clip, it zeroes in and, and it just kind of arrives. And they're sitting in this little hole in the wall restaurant, you know, eating shawarma. No no dialogue, no chase scenes. You know, the only action is the guy, the owner in the back just kind of sweeping up, right? That's all you got. And then it fades. And you're going, I sat through the credits for that, right? I mean, who, who, who let that one through, right? How did that help this movie at all? You know, um... It was a type of uh, a scene, and those are the types of scenes that you look at and you go, you know, I don't know that this would typically be let in any movie. And why? Well, think about it. If you were to make a movie out of your life, right? Would you include a scene like that? No. It's like, are, are, do people get to watch you when you get up in the time between, you know, when you get up and you stumble to the bathroom and you kind of brush your teeth and your hair's all crazy, and then you go and you try and get something to eat? No, we, we show the highlights, and there are certain things that you're just going, you know, I don't think that's a highlight, real type of thing. But I want you to think about your life. 99% of our lives are those type of moments, aren't they? Those uneventful, getting from A to B, you know, in between the, the mountaintop type of experience. 99% of our lives are lived in those moments that are just common everyday stuff, aren't they? And it's very rarely that we get those in a movie. It's very rarely we get those in a story. In Acts 6, verse one through six, we get a glimpse in one of those moments in the early church. If you remember what's going on in the early church, you remember it starts off, book facts starts off with Jesus and he ascends into heaven. <laughs> Right? And then the, the Holy Spirit's poured out, and everybody's speaking in tongues, and thousands are being saved. Ba-da! Right? And Peter and John are going to the temple, and they see a lame guy, and they go, In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And here's this guy, he hasn't walked ever, and he jumps up, and he's laughing and leaping and praising God, right? That's the kind of stuff that we're used to. Acts chapter 6, all of a sudden, it takes this diversion from that normal highlight reel. Stand with me. We're going to listen to this. There's something we need to learn here. As we look at the question, what does it mean to be the church? But this is Acts chapter six, verse one through six. It says, now at the same time that the number of disciples was growing, and we're talking about that explosive, like zero to 10,000 in a couple of days, right? Explosive growth. But a complaint rose, on the part of the believing Jews from the other places of the Roman world against the native Hebrew believers from Judea. So you have these two factions that seem to have emerged, those who came from far away and those who, this is their hometown, because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So the 12 apostles called together the multitude of the disciples and said, you know, it's not good for us to neglect the word of God in order to serve tables. Therefore, select from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, who we may put in charge of this task. And we will continue to devote ourselves to prayer and the service of the word. And this statement found Approval with the whole multitude, and they selected Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit, Philip, uh, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas, a convert from Antioch. Then they brought these to the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them and commissioned them for the task. If we want to have had that story in the New Testament, we may never have known that one of the things that the early church was paying attention to was making sure that those who had lost their husbands somewhere, and, that they were taken care of, that they were taken care of and they were fed, right? If we want to have heard this story, we want to have known that actually the number of widows in that day was enough that they had to put seven people over, overseeing this ministry. It was a large ministry and we might not have known that. But here we are and we have this clip around this widow's table, what many people might not say was such an exciting thing, such an exciting highlight to bring out. And yet it's brought out and it brings out and you look at it and you go, why was this brought out? How does this push forward the plot of the church, the definition of what it means? And it brings up a really important point to us. 99% of what we do is not highlight real stuff. And 99% of what we do in the church is not gonna be highlight real stuff. Do we know that? But it still is important that we get it done and we get it done well. In fact, that we get it done in a way that honors God and that it honors him for all that he is doing in and among us. Everything from the highlights to the hidden, kind of in the shadows work, everything should bring honor to the name of Jesus. So we give our best, we give our work. We've been talking about what it means to be the church. We've been talking about being the church. We've been talking about doing the work. It ends up that part of doing that work is to do the support work that supports this other work, this ministry work that we've been highlighting because if we don't, it'll never get done. We'll never have the highlights if you don't have the support work. This is what it means also to be God's ecclesia, to be God's people called together to do the work of the kingdom. Today's message is titled, Support the Work. Amen? God, we want to come with our ears open. We prayed last week and uh, I I really do ask that this would be a prayer that you would embed, just kind of really uh, embed it on our hearts, that we would have eyes to see what you're about, ears to hear what you're saying, and a heart to understand. Because you said in your word, if we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand, we will see with our eyes, we'll hear with our ears, we'll understand with our hearts, and we will turn. We'll turn away from what we may think we need to be doing. We'll, we'll see, we'll understand, so we'll turn to you and we will be healed. That's your promise. So Father, this morning, give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a heart to understand what your spirit is saying to your church. We're your people. We're not just here. We're not just here living our own lives whatever way we want. We gave that up when we came to you. We gave that up when we heard your call. We want to see you lifted up. We want to see people walking into finding the life that you have made them for and you have called them to. And we wanna be a part of that work. So Father, speak to us today. Show us, show us that work, all of that work so that you might receive the glory. We pray it in Jesus' name. We pray by the power of your spirit for your glory, Father. Amen. 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 Have a seat. Okay, so when you think of the story of the church, what are the highlights? I mean, some of you guys have heard the, you know, the stories from the book of Acts. What are some of the highlights you think of? Do you think of like, you know, Paul and Silas, they're in prison and all of a sudden, you know, the earthquake hits and the jail cell pops open. There's that one. How about the one where, you know, in, they're, they're in Ephesus and all of a sudden there's this uprising. They're about to, you know, throw Paul out. There's that one. There's the one where, you know, Peter's up and he's praying and he has this vision, right? People are constantly having visions and, right? There are all these really exciting stories. But, but the question is, have you ever, have you ever thought about as you're thinking about like the life of the early church, what was it like for Paul and Silas as you know, in those weeks that they're going from town to town? What do they talk about? Right? Have you ever been on a multi-week camp out? Right? You, you're gonna get to know somebody. I mean, you just gotta go three days camping. You're gonna get to know somebody. These guys knew each other. Why? Because they were, but what do they talk about? That's not in there. Right, they don't tell us all that mundane stuff. Have you ever thought about like, here's John and, and Peter, they're walking on the way to the to the temple, and there's this lame guy, and they heal him. They went to the temple every day. They don't tell us about what a normal day on your way to the temple was like, do they? Right, but they were there every day to pray. What was that like? What was it like, you know, in the, in the, uh, at the beginning where it says, and the people were getting together, and day to day they were breaking bread in their houses, you know, together. Uh, what were they serving? Right? What were they pulling out? Were some people pulling in and they're going, gosh, I wanna have people over, but all I got is this loaf of bread and I gotta slice it really, really thin so everybody gets some, right? Did they, was that it or just, you know, man, pull everything we got and let's make some soup, I guess, right? I mean, what it, we don't get those details, why? Because those aren't highlight reel type of stuff. We don't get to hear, but I can tell you that none of the other stuff would have happened without all these, these non-highlight real type of details. You guys, we have the same type of non-highlight reel details here at this church, don't we? Sure, we have the picnics at Goddard Park. Those are fantastic. It's so fun to be there. We have these worship services where here's this band and I mean, they, they bring it together and, and we're able to worship and the music and, and all that. And, uh, and sure, we have like during our season of giving and we'll put together baskets of food for people that, that are in need. And, and there's something really impactful about being a part of that, right? But what about all the people, what about all the time that it takes to set all that up? We don't often ask what kind of hours went into these guys. Think about these guys. I mean, not only do they spend hours practicing to get ready for this so that you know, they're ready to lead you guys in worship, how many years did they invest in learning their craft so that they could even get together to practice so that they could lead us? I mean, that's, there is a service to that. Where we invest hours and days and sometimes even years to prepare so that we can lead people well, that we can serve people well. And one of the things that you notice in that you notice in that uh, that story about these these um, about these first uh, servers at these tables, uh, these guys, they had been preparing a long time to be the type of, of followers of Jesus, the type of followers of God that could be handed a responsibility like this and do it to a level that it honored Jesus Christ, that it honored God the Father, right? 99% of what we do is not on the highlight reel, but it's still important that we do that kind of support work in order that we're prepared to do the work that we've been called to do. Acts six is called by many. It's this account that they say is about the calling or the appointing of the first deacons. And the reason that they use that word deacons in there is because um, that word to serve in the original Greek of the New Testament that it was written in, uh, the, the word for serve is this word diakoneo, diakoneo. And one who served is called a diakonos, is a deacon. So our word deacon literally is this word that just means one who serves. That's where it came from. And then it's used in a more technical way as the church develops. But here's this word that means it's this, uh, this server. And just like today, those servers of the early church, they were often found in these places where nobody was looking, right? They're, they're off in the shadows. They're taking care of things that aren't making kind of the highlights. But I do want us to see something about this. I want us to see something about this word and how it's used. I also want to see us to see something about these people that it is used of, this word, the servers, because it sounds, sounds relatively low, right? I mean, if, if, if somebody's gonna ask a, and they're asking for volunteers and it's like, how many of you guys wanna, you know, for the next 10 years of your life, how many of you guys wanna serve tables? Anybody? Anybody wanna volunteer for that job at this church because it needs to be done? Anybody? Yeah, one hand goes up. Yeah, thank you, Miriam. Here's one of the things about this passage. First, when the apostles, the apostles say, you know what, it's not good for us to be serving tables. But they say, what we're going to focus on is, is prayer and the service of the word. And that word service of the word is that word diaconal. What they saw is that we need some people to serve bread. And we need other people to be serving God's bread, God's food, the word. Because both are important, right? And there have been some who have been called to serve this kind of bread, the spiritual food, and there are others who have been called to serve the physical food. And both are important to do the job that brings glory to Jesus. But everything that we do should be seen as service. If you can't see what you're doing, if you see it as a place to to gain some kind of glory for yourself, that's not the right reason to be in the church doing what you're doing, right? Because everything we do is serving. In fact, Jesus, in Mark 10, 43, he said, you know what, whoever uh, among you wishes to be great needs to become the servant. In fact, he said the greatest in the kingdom is gonna be the servant of all. He's talking about himself. He's gonna serve every one of us. God regularly presents himself as his servant. Psalm 23, what does it say? In the presence of my enemy, what is God doing? He's laying out a table so he can pour and keep my cup filled and he can lay a table out before me. He serves us. Why? Because this is the nature of his kingdom. To do the work of the kingdom, you're not gonna seek, he says, other places they seek glory for themselves, but not here. We're the ones who serve. So whether you're preaching the word or whether you're serving a table, all of it, is service. Diakoneo is not just a title for some, it is a theme of the church because it's a theme of the kingdom, right? Second, when you read a little further in Acts, you find that these guys that were appointed as deacons, they were pretty spectacular. These are not just like second rate, they got this job because they couldn't do anything else. Stephen, Stephen, the first one who's mentioned, he's the first martyr of the church, he dies, well, second. First martyr, probably Jesus. Second martyr, right, Stephen, follows close after, right? Can you imagine, you, you, you kind of, you joined in, you've been appointed to this, you know, this important position in the church and, and you're starting into this thing and you're thinking, man, this is gonna be great. Next, you know, I got probably 20, 30 years left in my life. Can't wait to walk with Jesus you know, and see all the stuff he's gonna do. And like within the first year, you're dead. Right, why? Because you open your mouth and you can actually defend defend, and, and give good testimony of Jesus and people got so irate that they stoned him to death. And he said, as he's dying, he looks up into heaven and he, saw, he said he saw Jesus standing up for him. Right, when Jesus went to the, to the right hand of the father, it says that he sat down when he took his place. So he stands up as Stephen's coming in first martyr. He's standing up. Why? Because every one of us, I don't care if you guys, how long, I don't care what it is you're doing. Every one of us who follows Jesus, what we're hoping for is a day when we stand before him and he just, he stands up and he says, good job. Right? Good, good job. Here's Stephen. He has just a few, few months in this thing. And Jesus is already standing up going, good job. Right? Right? These guys were not second rate. Philip, Philip goes down. He goes to this place, Samaria. Nobody wants to mess with Samaria. They want to go to all the great places. They're having this big revival in Jerusalem. They're having this big thing happen up in, you know. So, but the Samaria, they're kind of like, oh, okay, we got to go to Samaria. Philip goes to Samaria. He's serving the Samaritans the way that he saw Jesus serve when he went through Samaria. And he goes through. And you know what? He, all of a sudden, this, this revival breaks out in Samaria, and he has to call the rest of the apostles up and say, hey, you guys gotta get up here because there's something happening. We got a bunch of people that wanna follow Jesus. And then it says that he goes out to the, out to the desert and he finds this lone guy riding home to, uh, to Ethiopia and is, you know, he's in his chariot, he's riding home and he, he leads him into a relationship with Jesus, right? And this guy, he ends up going home. He begins, he starts a church in Ethiopia that exists to this day, when they trace their roots back, they say, you know where we started was this Ethiopian eunuch who Philip met in the desert because he's following Jesus, doing stuff, whatever needed to be done, and he, he led him to Christ so that he founded this, this church, this witness of Jesus in Ethiopia. You guys, these weren't second-rate little, deacon is not like, a, okay, you, you get to be a deacon. Uh, too bad you can't be anything really important, Right? No, these guys were the ones that were, if you talk about, you look and you say, how did this push forward the story of the church? These were, these were guys that were pushing forward the story of the church and they were assigning people of this caliber to do things like make sure that the, that the widows were taken care of in a way that would honor Jesus. Third thing is this. When you read that story, you gotta recognize that the deacons were not the only ones doing the work. They couldn't have. They couldn't have taken care. They couldn't, they, nobody needed any oversight, except there were people that were already doing some work that they needed the oversight to make sure that it got done properly. There's a whole team of people probably. Think about that. If you got a bunch of, uh, you have a bunch of um, women who have lost their husbands, and in this day and age, there were a lot of reasons that, that was going on, Right? And you have these, these women that are there and they need to be cared for, they need to be fed. And so um, who's buying all that food? Who's, who's putting it together? Who's setting up? Who's tearing down afterwards? Who's following them up? Because I'm sure they're not just like feeding them and then sending them on their way, right? So who's doing this ministry? Well, it's a whole team of people. So the official deacons, right? They're not the only ones serving. We've already seen that the apostles are serving. The deacons are serving. Everybody's serving, Right? They're all helping with the feeding. It's just that you're organizing so that it's done well and you're putting the right people in the right place because you guys, supporting the work of the church, that is the work of the church, right? Supporting the work of what Jesus is doing in this place, that is the work of this place. We are the ecclesia. We are those who have been called together to do the work and to find our place in that work that Jesus is doing. So I wanna wanna take that story and I wanna think about us. I wanna think about this place because over the next several weeks, I want us to think about what are the places that we can invest in the support, the work of the church that Jesus is doing here. The reason I want us to think about this is because if God has called you here, we've said that you know, the church is, is that group of people that God has, first of all, that Jesus has blessed us has brought us into new life in Christ, right? Through a relationship with him, whether we know fully what that is or not, we have been, we have been born anew, we are his now, we're sealed for eternity, and we have a different kind of life going on inside. And our whole life is figuring out what that is and learning how to live it, Right? but that's who we are. The church are those people that have been given that new life and then called together by his spirit to do the work of his kingdom. That's what ekklesia means. It meant it in the Greek world. It means it in ours, we are called together in order that we might get done the work of his, of his kingdom. So if you've been called here, if, you have, if you're here, and, and I can, you guys, if you're here, I want you to know this. You are here because God called you here. People don't just wander into church. We may think we wandered into church, but we don't. We, we may be just driving by and we go, huh, I, think, I wonder what that would be like to go visit that church. And we wander and that, that is how God tugs at our heart. Sometimes we meet someone, and we say, Huh, they go to that place, I wonder what it's like. Or or we start thinking, I wonder what it would be like or something stirs in us is just, I wonder what it means for me to follow Jesus. Whatever that is, he calls us here. And you're here, you're not here by accident. Nobody walks into this place by accident. You just don't. You're here because God's spirit called you here. And if he has called you here, he's calling you here to be a part of this community called his ecclesia, his people are here to do the work of his kingdom so you have a part in this you have a place in this and it's not a second rate part it's not like some people are important and i'm not every piece he says it's like it's like a body (laughs) there's no part of your body that you're like yeah i could probably chop out that finger and i'd be fine right i just hack off that arm i don't need that much right he says no every member every cell every piece is important to Jesus expressing and making known, <clears throat> making known in this world his, his, his grace, his will, his, his love, his purpose. So if we're here, we're part of the body. So what does it mean for us to do, to engage in, not just the, the mission work that we've been talking about, right? the ministry work we've been talking about. Like last week, we looked at what does it mean to engage in worship and to come and be a part of that? What does it mean to do the work of prayer and go into the heavenly places and take on principalities and powers through prayer? What does it mean to connect with each other and do the work of connecting like in fellowship and to bless each other's lives? What does it mean to do that work of letting God's spirit speak to us and transform us with his word? What does it mean to go out from this place and make Jesus known? Make make known this amazing grace that we've we've, uh, really received as this gift We've been talking about that work. That's important. But how, how also can we be involved in the support work of the church? So first, I, I want us to think of three, three things. I want us to think about three things. To, and I don't want us to just think about them. This is gonna require that you guys do stuff. And if you're, if you're part of this church, I want you to think about how might I do, be involved in this work. The first is around leaders. Uh, now that first gathering of that multitude of disciples, they were gathering to put forth names of leaders. Every year we come together and we're just getting to that time of the season, you know, the time of the year that we're going to be asking for you guys to nominate names of people for leadership in this place. Some will be leadership team members, some will be those that we just say, you know what? They have the character qualities of a deacon, the character, the heart and, and, and kind of character of, a, of an elder, and we nominate those people and say, are these the names we wanna um, put forward and, and, and have the, the congregation, we as a congregation, we gather around that and we say, yeah, we affirm those names as those who have been called in this place to serve in that way. So over the next couple of weeks, um, there are those who, who, as you look out, ask the question and just say, take some time to pray and say, God, who are those people that have that character, that heart of service? That reflect Jesus' heart of service? Who are those people that understand leadership? That God is gifted in those ways that could help lead this church well so that we in all that we do bring honor to the name of Jesus. Who are those people who have who have that, that uh, understanding of the word that can come alongside of us, encourage us in our walk with Christ, who have been given kind of that, that character and that that insight, that just spiritual maturity of an elder? We need to know who those people are. Who are those people that you see? So be praying about that. Be praying that God would, would bring those people to your mind so that over the next couple of weeks, as you see like nominations forms online and the, the hard copy ones we have here, as you think, who can I now and think about that? Who is God raising up among us to be, to be kind of doing that work, doing that ministry, that service work of his people, leading in that way? Um, another prayer in that, too, I want you guys to be thinking about. We should always be praying also, God, how can I what steps do I need to take to get to that kind of place? Is there a path that you have me on that you want me to be preparing to be, to lead? you know, whether it's leadership team, or, or to come alongside and to, to serve as a deacon, or to come alongside and, and to, um, to really to lead people in their relationship with Christ to help guide and shape the way that they talk about it is to shepherd the spiritual culture of this church. God, what would it take for me to become, to grow into that? Because we should always be aspiring to be more and more like Jesus, right? More and more, in in 2 Peter, it says that he, he didn't just pick a few. He has a whole nation of kings and priests. Those are all leaders, right? He's called us all to aspire to be those people that influence people in a positive way and doing the work of the kingdom. Amen? So one, be thinking about leaders, be looking for that. Second, um want you guys, if you have a phone, bring your phone out. I don't often do this, I often ask you to put them away, right? Okay, I want you to bring them out, turn them off, and no. Um bring them out. Uh go to your go to a um uh go to your browser, and then I want you to plug in cccov.org. Okay, christchurchcovenant.org, CCCOV.org. That's our website, plug it in. Down in the bottom right-hand corner, you'll find this this foot, kind of uh, this yellow circle with, with two like footprints. See it? You guys find that? Okay, click on that. That's where you'll find next steps, whether you're online, on your computer, whether you're on your phone, Online, uh, we have that next step button. When you press that, you find this whole last list of, of these things that are next steps that you, next steps you could take. And the second one from the bottom is volunteer. So I want you to click on that one. And when you click on that one, you have it asks for some information, but on the bottom it has a whole list, right? A whole list of support work kind of stuff that we could be doing. Because you guys, it is great to be up here playing with the band and to be, you know, but sometimes we just need somebody back in the back that can aim a camera the right direction. And I'm pretty sure any of you could do that, right? We, in fact, if you're a little intimidated by the camera, BJ will even, he will give you all the training you need because it really is mainly just making sure that the camera's aimed in the right direction. We need, we need people that can stand out in the lobby at times and just have a smile on your face and just greet people as they come in the door. Now, some of you guys are going, I'm a horrible introvert, I couldn't. Okay, you go behind the camera. But some of you guys could be in the lobby and just be greeting people as they come in. Why? Because we need people to know when they come in that we see them, that God sees them and that that matters. It matters to us that they're here. And that we want them to know Jesus the way they... So you guys, there is a whole list of things that you can... So I need you guys to take this, again, C-C-C-O-V, Christ Church Cove, right? Got that? I need you guys to take this list and I need you to pray over this too and say, God, where is that support work? Where is that place that you want me to be plugging in? Because we are the church, we do the work of the church we do the you know that fun that ministry work we come in and we bring praise to god and we pray for one another but we also do that support work we make sure that those who are those who are not here in this place that they get a good picture that i'm not constantly i love doing this cuz sometimes i walk like completely out of the frame right <laughs> and every once in a while just keep but just to make sure that those who are at home maybe they're shut-ins maybe they're but that they get this too, that that those who, you guys, we have people that what they do is they, do you know who fills these cups for communion? Somebody comes in and they fill them every time we have communion. Is that something that most of us could do? Yes, but it supports the ministry. It supports the life. It supports the work of God's ecclesia, his people. Amen? Okay, so leaders, be thinking about who that might be. Volunteers, thinking about where you might plug in. Third one I wanna talk about is something Matt talked about, which is giving. Um, <clears throat> this isn't specifically mentioned in the, in the Acts passage, but I can assure you that if any church doesn't have this kind of support coming from its from people, they're not gonna last very long. You read into the rest of Acts, you read some of the writings of Paul, and regularly they are asking or they are thanking people for the support financially that they gave in order that the church work might go on. Now, you guys, if you have been called to this place, one of the things that you've been called into is you've been called to a church that is dependent on the contributions of our members. That's how we survive. That's how we do anything that we do is because of the generosity of you guys. Now, last week, um, we celebrated because we had a gap between, closing out last year, we, we had a gap between our giving and what we had agreed was gonna be our budget. We had a pretty big gap. At the end of last year, many of you guys stepped f- forward in a very generous way, and we filled a lot of that gap up so that we're back kind of in the range we had hoped to be. But what we need to do as we go into this year is we need to think, how can we maybe move from being that church that has the emergency appeals and all the rush of kind of support? How can we maybe be more intentional? How can we be more um, really just uh, be thinking ahead of time so that we develop habits and rhythms that allow us to see the sustainable kind of support that undergirds the work of this church? And that's gonna take some prayer as well because for some of you guys, some of you guys do this already. Some of you guys do this already. You're giving on a regular basis. And, um, and so this isn't gonna be anything new. But for some of you guys, this may be a new step. You're going, mm, we've never tried that before. And that's great. That's why we're giving you some time and we're giving you a tool. Um, I don't think I have anybody, is anybody out there that has these with them right now? BJ, no? Do you have them? yeah, I need to hand them out um, so that each of you guys could have one of these cards. Now, while they're handing them out, we got a couple of people. Good. The first service, I had people that were there in this service. I was surprised. So this is um, Scott and Craig, and they're, they're doing the service work. Thank you guys for being that living illustration of what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, the, the finance team has asked if we could maybe go towards a, a pledge more of a pledge card where we intentionally say at the beginning of the year, this is what I believe that God would have me give to this church over the course of this year. Um, The reason that we wanna do this is just because it allows the finance team to be a little bit more uh, aware of and intentional about how we budget and how we move forward with this. And so uh, on this pledge card, if you look at it, it has a place for you to say, hey, my commitment to give, it has, also, it has an optional place for you to put your name. Some of you who are, are regular givers and you are um, covenant partners, you may not have any problem signing your name here um, because you know that the finance team, they see all our names and are giving anyway. So um, that doesn't matter. But it's also a way to just say, you know what, I'm in. And to let people know, I'm, I'm in. I'm, I, wanna be, I wanna see God do this. On the back, there's a little chart that gives you kind of, what would it mean if I started giving $5 a week? And you look at that and you go, I could, I could do that. You say, well, that's, that's $260 over the course of a year. And that matters. You know, If you say, okay, maybe I could do a little bit more than that. Maybe I could give $10. And, and you work your way up. You, you look at that and you say, what might God be calling me to give? Some of you guys have been blessed financially. Some of you guys are, are, are stretched thin. I get that. And I, this is not a guilt trip. Because if God has called you to be a part of this church, He is going to call you to participate in the ways that you are able. And giving is always as you are able. But some of us have been blessed in a way that we can actually set aside, even some of the numbers that they talk about, like when they talk about to setting aside a tithe. Um, if you read the Old Testament, you, I mean, we'll look at that kind of stuff later, but a 10th of your income, there are many people that are investing that much to see that this, this, this work is funded that this work is resourced so that we can continue to do the work that God's called us to do. But take this card home, take this card home and pray. Pray over it, ask God, what would you have me do? What would you have me, what level would you have me? And I want us to bring these back next week. We're gonna bring them back next week and when we take the offering, we're going to bring these forward, why? As a celebration, as a celebration to everyone here to say, you know what? God has called us together to be the church, to be his ecclesia, including to do the support work of that work. And we wanna celebrate and look around and say, you know what? We're the church, this is it, amen? This is God's people and we're here to do his work, the fullness of that work. You guys, I wanna leave you with a question. What what does it take to move from being someone who just watches a movie about a story actually being a participant in that story, what's the big difference? So that the people that are participants in the story, they're doing the 99% too. They get to go through the highlights, but they're not just sitting on the outside waiting for the highlights to happen so they can be excited about the highlights. They're inside doing the work that 99% so that those highlights are even brought out. In the work of the church, the difference between those who are, who are watching from the outside versus those who are actually living out the story of God is that those who are living out the story of God give themselves to the 99%, not just that 1% highlight reel, right? God's calling us to be a church, to be an ecclesia, to be a community of his people doing the full work of the kingdom. And it's no accident that you're here today because he's inviting you to be a part of that. The same work that Jesus began to save the world, (laughs) to transform it, he's calling us into in this day and this time. Amen?